You have put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise. A sound that resonates. That all of heaven and earth may worship you. We tread the hills to meet with you. To see your majesty in all that surrounds us. For it speaks and displays the eternal God of ages. Creator. Author. Victor. In love, you established an everlasting covenant with your people. And it's your love that captivates us. As children of the King, we rush in as waves unrestrained. Overcome, overwhelmed, that the King crowned in glory and splendor would reach down to place a crown upon our heads. So we raise our banner, the banner we boldly stand under, the banner of Jesus Christ. From dusk to dawn, from age to age, your praise resounds in all the earth. Deliverer, Redeemer, ruler of an everlasting kingdom that cannot be shaken. We trust in the name of Christ Jesus, the only King forever. Welcome to Zion's Redemption Radio. This is Fundamentally Mormon. I'm your host, Mark Lichtenwalter. The guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. You can find this at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon. And the text will also be posted on my Facebook wall at facebook.com forward slash L-A-Z-U-R-U-S 1977. You can also find the text and the audio to this radio program on iTunes at Fundamentally Mormon and in the different Facebook groups that I am an admin of. Some of those groups are LDS Last Days Prophecy and Gospel Discussions, LDS Gospel Mysteries, Latter-day Unity, and others. You can find the pages that I admin also on my Facebook wall. And if you enjoy this program, please friend request me or follow me and uh, make me one of your close friends. We try to put out as many episodes as we can during the week. But I'm thankful for you to be here today. Let's get right into the reading today. We are going to be reading out of Ogden Kraut's books. You can find his books for free to read online at ogdenkraut.com. That's O-G-D-E-N-K-R-A-U-T.com. That's O-G-D-E-N-K-R-A-U-T.com. Berkshire, this is Zion's Redemption Radio. This is Fundamentally Mormon. Coming to you live on this 11th day of August 2021. Uh, the guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. And tonight we're going to be reading Doctrine and Keys of the Kingdom, Chapter 14 of Holy Priesthood, Volume 6. Are you there, Kim? Yep, I am. Okay, so um, right before the show started, you were rounding up ghosts. What was going on? Because I was able to talk to you. Somebody just left the fence open, left the gate open. Can you okay. hear me? I did. My phone made a really yeah, weird I... noise a minute ago. I was like, what is going on? Okay. <laughs> Well, it's a little bit hard to hear you. I don't know if you're on your headset or your car phone. What are you doing? Oh, right now I'm just on my phone phone. Uh, Liddy ran to grab the headset for me because uh, I was like, hey, I need the headset right now. And she's like, oh, yeah, okay, I'll go grab it. So she's doing that, okay. I think. So Here, you I can do this. open? Can you hear me now? Okay, this now. is on the car phone. Uh, it sounds really bad. Yeah, 
this is the car phone. It doesn't sound good. Uh, I can, it's just, it's crappy. It's crappy audio. Okay. And this is bad oh, audio. Is this better? I think that's better, but um, what happened to Emmett? Why isn't he doing it? Um, yeah. Why? Dad wants to know why you're not on doing it. He's on there right now. He says, "Why isn't Why isn't he unmuted?" Because uh, he's supposed to be running the studio, not me. So if he's on, okay, he's gonna open the studio like, now. On I don't know. I'm just trying to drive a truck. I'm not supposed to be strutting around with studio stuff. That's why he has a tablet that he can run the studio on. Anyway, he is uh, looking. So, just for the listening audience, my semi-truck broke down uh, while my co-driver was driving it. I'm in a spare truck. Uh, everything is screwed up. <laughs> I, I just, I'm not used to this truck, and I'm not able to do what I'm, you know, normal, normally able to do with whatever. I'm setting everything up, and then um, my flashlight that I use every night decided that it didn't want to charge anymore, so Kim had to go to the store and pick up a flashlight for me, and then she had to go uh, pick up some other stuff, and then she just barely got home, and all the goats were out because the kids don't know how to shut gates, which drives me absolutely insane, but they have to get in there. I've locked them out completely, but I can't do that, and they don't know how to turn lights off in the house, you know, I mean, this is kid stuff, all kids are like this, but it's frustrating, so my wife had this little garden set up, and, uh, well, you know, the kids left the gate open, so the goats all get out, and they eat the garden, you know, whatever, we actually have a cherry tree that's just a little tiny cherry tree, and same thing happened last year, and the goats ate all the leaves off it. We thought it was dead, but lo and behold, here comes some leaves, and we're like, oh, yay, it didn't die. Well, kids left the gate open, goats got out, ate the cherry tree again, so we don't even know if it, you know, like, hopefully, it hasn't grown any more leaves, I don't think, you know, and it's just like, really frustrating because we spend all this time and all this money doing all these fences and trying to sure stuff up and trying to make it so that these stupid animals won't get out and go eat everything or go walk into the road and get hit by a car or whatever. You know, but it's only as good as the gate that closes and locks. And if the kids won't lock the gate because they don't have any common sense in their brains and they won't listen to you, you know, what are you supposed to do? Just shoot all the goats and then say, well, I guess it's wild goat meat. I don't even know. Anyway. <laughs> Excuse me. So, uh, it's, uh, tonight's chapter is a really interesting read, and I really enjoyed listening to it earlier. Um, so, and it's not that long, and then uh, next week's chapter is going to probably take all week to do. It's about the keys of polygamy. And uh, we'll go over that next week. But, uh, Kim, can you offer that dedication? I'm about to go around dead air turn, and then I've got to jump out and uh, deal with the power plant here in a minute. So. Are you there? I can, can you hear, hear me? somebody. I can hear you now. Hey, hold on. Did you? Okay, how about now? <laughs> can you hear me? I don't know if I'm muted or not. Can you hear me? I can oh hear you, Mom. You're good. Okay. I guess he can't hear me. Anyways, um, 
uh, Emmett, if you can hear me, then I'm just going to start reading, okay? You need to do an opening prayer. Oh, yes. We didn't do that. Okay. So do you want to do the opening prayer or do you want me to? <laughs> I am in the bathroom. Oh, okay. I will. I'll do the opening prayer then. Um, hopefully he muted his mic. Okay. Our Father in heaven, we come before thee this night and give thee thanks and praise for all the things that thou hast done to uh, with us and for us throughout this week and throughout this day. We're thankful for our friends and family. We're thankful for the jobs that thou hast given us that we can help to provide for ourselves and for others. We're grateful for the time that we have to relax and learn of thee and to read thy word and to be able to help others to learn of thee and seek truth and higher knowledge and just more light and love. We ask thee to please watch over us this night and and, uh, have thy spirit to be with us that we will be able to learn the things that thou hast set aside for us to learn tonight and that we will be able to take it into our hearts and and let our bodies understand it and be able to live the principles that thou would have us live. We ask the Father to watch over the listeners as well and help them to know what it is that thou would have them do and um, what how they would share uh, your word and share what they have also learned in their lives and be able to make it a daily effort. And these things we ask for and we pray for in the name of thy son, even Yeshua, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Okay, so we are going to be reading chapter 14. It's on page 233. It's called Doctrine and Keys of the Kingdom. We're on Holy Priesthood, volume 6. Um, and it's an ensign to the nations, um, Holy Priesthood, Volume 6, and it's on page 1003. <clears throat> and I give unto you a commandment that you shall teach one another the doctrine of the kingdom. That's D&C 88, verse 77. The doctrines of the kingdom are the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They are the keystone to exaltation and the pathway to celestial kingdom. They should be valued as one of the greatest treasures on earth. The problem with learning the doctrine of the kingdom is that it requires much searching, study, and faithful obedience to the commandments. There are so many false doctrines of devils, contending doctrines of modern Christianity, and changed doctrines in the Church of Jesus Christ that God's true doctrines are not easy to find. Members of the Church of Jesus Christ have always had difficulty in accepting and learning and maintaining the doctrines of the kingdom. Since most of them are not popular with the world, church members are often persuaded to substitute more accepted policies for, for difficult doctrines. There is a significant difference between policy and doctrine. Policy is not an eternal truth. And it frequently changes with the times, conditions, opinions, social life, and wishes of its members. When the doctrines of the priesthood are treated in the same manner, apostasy has begun its work. We're now on page 234. Policy changes frequently. Doctrine remains fixed. In matters of true doctrine, there is no conflict between living and dead prophets. Truth is consistent, and doctrines of priesthood are eternal. Keys of the priesthood seldom have anything to do with policies, but rather with the doctrines of the kingdom. Dwayne Crowther wrote in Thus Saith the Lord, Crowther, page 254, quote, The author has often encountered those who consciously or unconsciously have attempted to establish or observe false standards of what is doctrine. Certainly, doctrine is not determined by such superficial standards as Was it printed by the church? Is it carried in the Deseret book? Wasn't that book written in the temple? 
etc. Doctrine is not determined by when it was said there or where it was said, where it was written, who is the author, who published it, who owns the copyright, etc. End quote. That again is from Thus Saith the Lord by Crowther, page 254. The question obviously should be, is it true? Duane presented a list of points that help to identify correct doctrine. Number one, Doctrine comes from God the Father through Jesus Christ. Number two, doctrine is sacred and it represents an attribute of godliness. Number three, God's doctrines are revealed statements of eternal truth, saving principles or aspects of his plan of salvation. Number four, God's doctrines explain man's relationship to Christ. Number five, doctrine serves as a standard of conduct. Number six, doctrine is closely related to the gospel of Christ. Number seven, doctrine is recorded in, in the scriptures. Number eight, church workers and leaders sometimes preach incorrect doctrines. Number nine, doctrines are to be taught to one another by the saints. Number 10, Satan seeks to lead men astray through false doctrine. That, again, is from Thus Saith the Lord, Crowder, page 247. And now we're on page 235. True doctrine embraces every law, ordinance, principle, and covenant of the gospel. It is the first thing taught in the work of the ministry, and it is the first thing in the church of Jesus Christ that the devil seeks to overthrow. To understand the doctrines of priesthood of the priesthood is more important than its history, philosophy, church organization, or policies. For a guide, the Lord has given us the Doctrine and Covenants, which contains the doctrines of the priesthood and the covenants we make pertaining to those doctrines. If we are not following those doctrines and obeying those covenants, what, then what or whom are we following and obeying? The doctrines of the kingdom are like the laws of science, mathematics, and chemistry. They are constant, fixed, and everlasting. Charles W. Penrose acknowledged in Journal of Discourse, Volume 22, page 89, quote, he governs the universe by fixed laws that cannot be turned out of their way by the whims of men. And so it is the spiritual universe. Earthly things are a pattern of heavenly things. And as there are laws that govern the physical things, so there are also fixed laws which govern spiritual things. End quote from Journal of Discourse, Volume 22, page 89. And John Taylor's comments were very similar. In Journal of Discourse, Volume 26, page 349 through 350, quote, There are laws that pertain to the physical world in which we live, and those that govern the sun, the moon, and the countless stars that shine in the dome of heaven. With all these, man has nothing to do. He never has been, and in the nature of things, never can be able to change what are called the laws of nature. If any Congress, Parliament, or Convocation was to pass a law changing the period of the Earth's revolution or the phases of the moon or the rising or setting of the sun or of all the congresses, parliaments, or legislative bodies in the world were to unite to pass such a law, it would be of none effect or utterly useless for the simple reason that these laws are entirely independent of man's action and outside of his control. So, with the laws governing man's physical being, or that of the brute, or those natural to the animal, vegetable, and mineral kingdoms, all these are irrevocably fixed and unchangeable so far as man is concerned. All beings, all things, from the great creator to the, man, the minutest form of life, are governed by the law of their existence. The laws by which all created things fill the measure of their existence were placed there by a super or a superior power that, to that of man, and he is impotent to change or annul them. All these are called natural laws. End quote. That's from Journal of Discourse, Volume 26, page 349 through 350. Bruce R. McConkie made a brief scriptural summary of the importance of true doctrines. Con, um, conversion to the truth comes by accepting true doctrine, First Nephi, chapter 15, verse 15, and also Third Nephi, chapter 21, verse 6. Those so converted are expected to 
speak by doctrine, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 6, to teach one another the doctrine of the kingdom, that's DNC 88, verse 77, to be perfected in the understanding of their ministry, in theory, in principle, and in doctrine, that's DNC 97, verse 14, to act in doctrine, DNC 101, verse 78, and to learn more doctrine by revelation from heaven, DNC 121, verse 45 through 46. In the final analysis, the truth of doctrine can only be known by the revelation gained as a result of obedience. My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me, our Lord proclaimed. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. End quote. That's John 17, verses 16 through 17. Also, um, it says, more doc, page 205. What is more Mormon doctrine? Page 205. The keys of the priesthood are always found in conjunction with the true doctrines of the gospel. Thus, there is an important key here. Those who teach false doctrines do not have the keys of the kingdom. We're now on page 237. There have been continuous warnings to church members that they were becoming overtaken by the world. And it is doctrines, philosophies, and wickedness. Brigham Young said it was his worst fear that they would depart from the doctrines established by the Lord. Many others have felt the same way. For example, Dwayne Crowther remarked in Thus Saith the Lord, Crowther, page 280, quote, In this day of many converts and rapid church expansions, it is not uncommon to hear incorrect doctrines expressed in the church classrooms. Many lessons and sermons reflect only the level of understanding and doctrinal knowledge to which the speaker has attained at the time. As Latter-day Saints grow, they may find that they have been teaching some type of false doctrine. This is unfortunate, but it is probably experienced by most church members. Doctrinal misconceptions can exist on any level. There is no doctrine of infallibility within the church. Thus saith the, this is end quote, thus saith the Lord, Crowther, page 280. <clears throat> Excuse me. With all the brilliant scholars and theologians in the Jewish nation, they too made the terrible mistake of changing their religious doctrines. Jesus explained how futile their religion had become. But in vain, they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. That's Matthew chapter 15, verse 9. Compare that statement to what the Savior told Joseph Smith about 1,800 years later concerning the Christians. This is Pearl Great Price, Joseph Smith, uh, chapter 2, verse 19. Quote, And the personage who addressed me said that all their creeds were an abomination in his sight. They teach for doctrines the commandments of men, having a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. End quote. Pearl Great Price, Joseph Smith, chapter 2, verse 19. Now we're on page 238. But now these commandments of men have entered into even the restored church, as J. Reuben Clark warned in Melchizedek Priesthood Manual, 1968 through 69, from Immortality and Eternal Life, Clark, page 156, quote, There is creeping into our mists, and I warn you, brethren, about it, and I urge you to meet it, a great host of sect sectarian doctrines that have no place amongst us. The gospel in its simplicity is to be found in the revelations, the teachings of the prophet, and the early leaders of the church. We shall make no mistake if we follow them. We shall make mistakes, and we shall lead our youth, or some of them, to apostasy if we, are, if we try to harmonize our simple beliefs with the philosophy and the speculations of sectarian doctrines. End quote. Melchizedek Priesthood Manual, 1968-69, through 69, from Immortality and Eternal Life, Clark, page 156. The strongest criticisms of many anti-Mormons are not against doctrines of the Restoration itself, but over the constant changes in church doctrine. If there is no consistency in the truth of Mormonism, then there is not much truth at all, because truth is eternal. How can Mormons teach restored doctrines of the Church of Jesus Christ in one century 
and then oppose them in the next. Many anti-Mormons have admitted to this author that if there is any truth to Mormonism, the fundamentalists have it because they still teach the same early fundamental doctrines. In both the LDS Church and the U.S. government, we have witnessed each new president instigate a few more changes, add or eliminate laws, and disregard the Constitution. president is a little worse than his predecessor because he not only accepts all the previous president's changes, but also adds a few more of his own. A testimony is one of the most powerful forces for good because it stands as a judgment. The people who reject a true testimony may suffer the most terrible judgments, but the acceptance of such a testimony will bring heavenly rewards. The devil has brought some of the most formidable attacks against the printed testimonies of truth. In ancient Egypt, a king or noble who found disfavor with some earlier king would destroy every book or obelisk that bore his name. The largest library in the world, once owned by the Arabs, was destroyed by disbelieving enemies, a loss of some of the most valuable documents in existence. For many centuries, the Catholic Church burned all books that disagreed with their dogmas. A record was kept of discussions held around Martin Luther's dining table with many prominent scholars and theologians. They were so profound and filled with wisdom that it was suggested that Luther printed them in a book, which was done, and it was called Table Talk. However, Pope Rudolphus II became so infuriated at its contents that he, quote, made an edict throughout the whole empire that all the aforesaid printed books should be burnt and also that it should be death for any person to have or keep a copy. That quote is from Table Talk, Ed W. Hazlitt, Introduction, page 6. It was thought all such copies were destroyed. But a century later, was found, one was found in a building being torn down in Holland, and it was taken to England to be published. In more recent years, under the direction of Heber J. Grant, many early books of Mormon or books of Mormonism suffered a similar fate by fire. <clears throat> Excuse me. The devil seems very eager to destroy the printed word, but he is even more eager to persuade men to say or sign something against the truth. Just a man's signature can be the means of gaining millions of dollars or result in the victim's death or eternal misery. We're now on page 240. Two young men were asked by the Prophet Joseph. Hi. So, wasn't it our friend that said that he heard that um, any books that were going into Deseret books that were a certain, beyond, are like older than a certain year, or uh, like teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, uh, there's different books that they were told to throw into the uh, throw them into the you know into the the recycle bin um I I don't remember I think it was our friend that lives up in Salt Lake and said that are you talking about are you talking about the one who owns a bookstore and he goes and buys the books um, from he gets no. like a discount. Oh. No, I think it, I thought it was our friend that lives up in Salt Lake. I don't want to mention his name on the air, but he's our good friend who was your friend before you knew me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that there. Uh, so that that actually comes from his nephew. His nephew um oh, okay. gets a deal or a discount on a bulk amount of books that don't get sold, and then they just give them to these bookstores in bulk. So they go and pick up everything, and they have to take all of it. Yeah, but and then there's a lot of books that they can't destroy. sell. Well, there's they a lot of books that they cannot old sell. church books. So they throw them away. The ones that they can't sell. That's what, I think that's what he was saying. 
Oh, okay. Well, what I'm talking about is books that, like, people would buy if they had the opportunity, but they don't want them to be, you know, public, or not, they don't want them to be out there. So, like, you know how Hubert J. Grant decided that he didn't want people to have the Journal of Discourses, so they're going to just destroy them all? But then they found out that the fundamentalists were printing them. So instead of just destroying and getting rid of them, they changed them all around and took a bunch of stuff out so that when you bought your book from the church bookstore, um, it didn't match what the fundamentalists had because they they want to gaslight and destroy information and... You know, so they don't have to fight in the future about, like, why is the church changing all these things if all the books are burned and there's no evidence. But the problem is there's always going to be evidence. And they didn't foresee the Internet coming, you know. And they didn't – they did know, though, that the fundamentalists have their own printing press. And we preserve things. And we're going to not let them do what they want to do, you know, so then they demonize us and tell everybody how horrible we are so nobody will listen to us, but we still have the truth whether or not the truth that was once taught, whether or not they want to teach it or not. So. Yeah. Okay, I'll just mute myself you, again. Okay. Two young men were asked by the Prophet Joseph to attend a meeting that was being held for the purpose of uh, deposing the Prophet. He told them they might be asked to sign a document promoting such action, but Joseph added, but be sure that you make no covenants nor enter into any obligations, whatever with them. That comes from Contributor, uh, Volume 5, page 253. Um, Emmett, if you're still listening, I have texted you a couple times. I need a drink. If you could bring that out here, that would be amazing. Thanks. <laughs> I'm like, I'm losing my voice. I have a cold, and it's hard to keep talking without coughing. So when yeah, when I somebody know. else coughs, um, I usually mute my mic and then cough. Okay, I'll bring that out in a second. I didn't. I don't have my phone. It's plugged in, so. I'm just on the headset. Okay, I thought so because it's been a little while since I sent it and I am like parched. Okay, I'll continue reading. It would seem that two young men would be excused from signing something if it would save their lives. But Joseph told them they may shed your blood if they refuse to sign. But he added, don't flinch. If you have to die, die like men. That reminds me of that stuff on Facebook where they're like, be a man. <laughs> and they have those funny memes of the men doing ridiculous things. <laughs> Hold on just one second. Yeah, they're, I think they're funny, but they're kind of ridiculous. So I know this is inappropriate, but uh, that particular TikTok account, they're like, if you don't like your boss, crap on the, the hood of his car. Be a man. I'm like... Seriously. <laughs> they're ridiculous. I think they're funny, though. Well, anyway. Um, yeah, I do, too. That's why I was saying that. I was like, that's funny. <laughs> I'm always telling my little girls when they're like, I can't do it. I'm like, be a man. said it first. Joseph said it first. He did the first okay. one. Well, no, oh, he okay. said, don't flinch. If you have to die, die like men. <laughs> be a man. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. 18th century uh, be a man language, I guess. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Signing a document against the principle of the gospel of Jesus Christ is the same as a testament against the Savior himself. He said, but whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father, which is in heaven. Matthew chapter 10, verse 33. And he also revealed that all those who will not endure chastising, or sorry, not endure chastening 
but deny me cannot be sanctified. That's DNC chapter 101, verse 5. All Melchizedek priesthood holders who raise their hands to reject the laws of the gospel or to sustain something opposed to the true doctrines of Christ is breaking their oath and covenant of the priesthood. Bishop John H. Coyle of Dream Mind fame made a statement to this author that has taken many years to completely understand. He said, all the work of the temples will have to be done over, back to and including the administration of Wilfred Woodruff. That is a very serious statement to make, and I did not understand it until I realized that in 1890, members of the church voted to break their oath and covenant of the priesthood, and thus the keys of Elijah were revoked. From 1890 to the present time, there has been a continual denial of doctrines, changes in temple ordinances, and abandonment of church offices and callings, such as the 70s and church patriarch. Page 241. You're muted still. Kim. Hello, Kim. Can you go and tell her she's muted? Yeah, hold on. Okay, sorry, it just switched uh, what it was using, and it rehooked to something else, and then it came back to my headset, so I'm sorry. Can you hear me now, though? Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, um, I have to swing yeah. by the house so I can pick up my flashlight, because I need it now that it's dark. Yeah, so and I have it, it here, but I'm reading. Um, uh-huh. How about, do you want me to meet you and Emmett can keep reading? Uh Okay, yeah, that's fine. I'm just leaving Castledale right now. Okay, so then we have time. Emmett can uh, come come grab this um, from me reading, and then we'll switch it out, and then I'll meet you. Okay? Okay. Okay, but okay. I will um, keep reading until he comes up, <laughs> until he's here, okay? Okay. I'll just meet you in Huntington at BK's. Yep, sounds great. Okay. Okay, but the structure remains. The church continues to grow in size and popularity. Its economy is booming. Its acceptance by the world is better than ever. But is the price they've paid worth it? As a result of such actions, the church has lost nearly every key to the kingdom of God. The scriptures abound with prophetic warnings concerning the deceptions and temptations that would be prevalent during the latter days. We are told that false prophets would arise to deceive almost the very elect. How would they do it? How could they do it? By gradually changing or even eliminating doctrines of the kingdom from the church. Joseph Smith translated the key verse in Joseph Smith, volume 1, page 22. Quote, for in those days there shall also arise false Christ and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if possible... They shall deceive the very elect, who are the elect according to the covenant. End quote. From Joseph Smith, chapter 1, verse 22. (coughs) Sorry. These elect had to be Latter-day Saints, for no others could qualify or are bound by the oath and covenant of the Holy Priesthood. Paul foresaw these events and warned the saints, quote, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, shewing himself that he is God, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved, and for this cause God shall send them strong delusion." that they should believe the lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth. But he had pleasure in unrighteousness. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 through 4 and 11 through 12. We're on page 242, and I'm actually just going to finish it off in this uh, tiny little paragraph that's left, and then I'll let Emmett do the um, beginning of chapter 15. Um, and if you want to call in, the call-in number is 917-889-8827. The actual identity of this son of perdition is not made clear, but it is sufficient to know 
that this evil person will actually enter the temple of God and rule as if it were God, as if he were God, and deceive all those who do not recognize and obey true principles and doctrine. When we change or discard the doctrines of the priesthood at that moment, we break our covenants, which result in the loss of priesthood keys and a possible disastrous outcome. In Second Nephi chapter 28, verse 15, it says, And all those who preach false doctrines and pervert the right way of the Lord, woe, woe, woe be unto them, saith the Lord God Almighty, for they shall be thrust down to hell. End quote. Second Nephi chapter 28, verse 15. And now we're going to be on page 243, chapter 15, the keys to plural marriage. If you want to call in, um, the call-in number is 917-889-8827. We'll have Emmett go ahead and read. Oh, sorry, my car's making noise. He'll read the beginning of that chapter for us, um, just to let us know what we'll be getting into tomorrow. Um, no, next week. Oh, next week, yeah. I forgot that tomorrow's Thursday, which is uh, the beginning of um, your weekend. Yep. Good yeah. times. So, um, Yay. the last scripture, um, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, with uh, the false prophet sitting in the temple of God, uh, like basically uh, placing himself above the throne of God, this man will proclaim revelations which God did not give him. He will change more of the endowments, which we've already done. Uh, he will change more doctrines. He will change a whole bunch of stuff without any revelation. And this prophecy, a lot of the Christian world will say, well, there has to be a temple built in Jerusalem, a uh, temple in the New Jerusalem which is the light of North America. And the Holy of Holies is in that place, uh, one for the Father, one for the Son. And um, it, it, it can only be fulfilled by a prophet or president of the LDS Church. So, um, and we're in those days right now, those prophecies being fulfilled as we speak with the presidency of Russell M. Nelson. So um, I know I I know I don't usually say things like that. Uh, there's a lot of things that I know that I don't usually say because I know people are just going to turn off the program. I don't care anymore uh, whether people listen or not. I'm glad if they do. Uh, but, you know, I don't care anymore. So I'm just going to lay it out there. I don't believe Russell M. Nelson is a true prophet of God in any way, shape, or form. He's been caught lying on several, you know, several occasions, blatant outright, making up false stuff that we can prove didn't happen. And, uh, you know, and he's so narcissistic and flagrant about it, about it. He doesn't care if you know it's true or not. And the, the members of the church are like, these monkeys that are trained and they're trained to do a thing but they don't question anything that they're told you know uh, yeah, and when you show them the evidence of all of the changes and all of the narcissistic abuse within the, within the church and all of the stuff they just won't listen to you and they make up all kinds of silly excuses so the one that I've been on lately is the one about his uh, 1976 airplane crash that he was almost in where the engine blew up and fuel was all over the side of the plane and on the wing on fire and that they had some death spiral, uh, death spiral dive and the pilot pulled up in the nick of time and they were able to land in a farmer's field and nobody got hurt. Okay, well, if any of that were true, there would be reports by the NTSB about the situation that happened. It has to be recorded and reported by law. And something that significant wouldn't have gone unnoticed by by the press, especially since he was a an apostle at the time. So, uh, but we don't find news reports about it. And in fact, we find that there was an incident where the engine had a hard shutter 
and they had to, uh, well, they didn't have to, but for precautionary measures, they uh, decided to stop the flight and land at the Delta Municipal Airport, which was halfway between Salt Lake and St. George. St. George was where they were heading. (laughs) The report actually states that they could have um, continued on to St. George, but that they landed because of a precaution. It did no engine explosion, no fire, no death gyral spin out of control, no having to restart engines, no landing in a farmer's field. <laughs> and he knows that the members of the LDS church, because they believe the lies of the church with all the doctrines that have been changed, that they are in strong delusion and they will fight to the death to defend their false prophet. And uh, it's unfortunate, but fortunately, a lot of people are seeing the the lies. Now, it's sad, though, because because of the actions of this one man and all of the leaders of the church, um, from Brigham Young on, people reject the truth. They uh, will have a witness of the Holy Spirit, and they'll know that Joseph Smith was a prophet, and then because of these people, uh, they will uh, reject it completely. And, you know, when you deny the Holy Spirit, that's sad. And I'm not going to judge anybody. And I understand why people leave. Um, You know, so anyway, it looks like we do have a caller. Um, Caller, uh, if you're just listening, that's great. Uh, My son is going to do the preview. Uh, for the next chapter, which is will be pretty quick. If you have any questions or comments, please press 1, and we'll bring you up on the air so that you can ask your question or make your statement. Um, that'll let us know that you want to come on the air, but you have to press 1. Okay, so Emmett, are you ready to uh, to do the preview for the next chapter? Just about. Okay. Um, What's the hold up? Um, I just have a throat issue. Uh, I've had like a sore throat today, so I was making sure I would drink. Uh, Yeah, we're ready. Okay, go ahead and read that next, uh, the preview for the next chapter. And uh, also, uh, before you do that, real quick. if anybody has any questions or comments and you don't want to come live on the air, uh, you can write your questions or statements in the chat room at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon. And uh, if you stay on the air through the music and you're still on the air, I will put you in the, in the, uh, where the music's playing. I'll put you in the, uh, the call. I can't remember the screening room. And it will be off there, and you'll be able to ask your questions or comments. Kim, where are you going? <laughs> Kim. Mom. She just passed me. I'm, like, sitting here at the truck stop, or the, the BKs, and she just zips past. I'm not at heart, Kim. I, I don't know if she can hear me. Anyway, go, go ahead and read, your, uh, read the preview, and I will uh, mute my mic. Okay. Hold on, I'm texting mom that you're at BK's. (laughs) Okay. Chapter 15, The Keys to Plural Marriage. For I have conferred upon you the keys and the power of the priesthood, wherein I restore all things, and make known unto you all things in due time. DMC section 132, uh, verse 45, I think. There have been more disagreements, and controversy over the keys to plural marriage than all the other keys combined. For this reason, this chapter will be the longest, (laughs) and for many readers, the most interesting. It will be divided into the following major sections. Section 1, plural marriage. Section 2, the keys of 1886 and beyond. Section 3, a key to the manifesto. Section 4, from er, from persecuted to persecutors. And Section 5, Groups and Splinter Groups. Section 1, Background of Priesthood Keys to Plural Marriage. 
Ever since its introduction by Joseph Smith in the 1830s, the law of plural marriage has been a highly controversial subject that has certainly not lost much intensity through the years. The arguments about who does and does not have the keys to perform plural marriages have been debated over and over again. But one thing is certain. Those who oppose plural marriage do not hold the keys to plural marriage. Page 244. Uh, do you want me to end there or read to the second page? Uh, they're probably you talking. can continue to the next page, Emmett. Go ahead. Okay. Um, so I'm just going to basically finish this really long quote. <laughs> uh, plural marriage has been the subject of hundreds of speeches, books, lectures, and debates. But let's allow Orson Pratt to briefly represent all of them with these remarks. God has told us Latter-day Saints that we shall be condemned if we do not enter into that principle. And yet I have heard now and then... I am very glad to say that only a few such instances have come under my notice. I have heard a brother or sister say, I am a Latter-day Saint, but I do not believe in polygamy. Oh, what an absurd expression. What an absurd idea. A person might as well say, I am a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, but I don't believe in him. One is just as consistent as the other. Or a person might as well say, I believe in Mormonism and in the revelations given through Joseph Smith, but I'm not a polygamist and do not believe in polygamy. What an absurdity. If one portion of the doctrines of the church is true, the whole of them are true. If the doctrine of polygamy, as revealed to the Latter-day Saints, is not true, I would not give a fig if for all you or for all your other revelations that came through Joseph Smith the prophet. That is a hilarious expression. I do not give a fig. <laughs> I would renounce the whole of them because it is utterly impossible according to the revelations that are continued in these books, to believe a part of them to be divine from God and a part of them to be from the devil, that is foolishness in the extreme. It is an absurdity that exists because of the ignorance of some people. I have been astonished at it. I did hope there was more intelligence among the Latter-day Saints and a greater understanding of principle than to suppose any one can be a member of this church in good standing and yet reject polygamy. The Lord has said okay, that Emmett. those who reject this principle reject their salvation. Emmett. What? What? That's a really good place to end right there because um, it actually is kind of funny and uh, it will lead really good into the next uh, part that we're going to do when we come back on Monday. Um, okay. And, yes, I know if anybody doesn't know this, so Emmett, he's our oldest. Um, and he has Asperger's, and he has the most funny sense of humor. So I just know that now that he has read that quote, he's going to be, he's going to use it. He's going to say, well, I don't give a fig. <laughs> and I'm going to be like, oh, man, the things that he learns from reading, <laughs> all these scriptural stuff, and from Joseph Smith, <laughs> out of all people. So <laughs> I guess, um, but that's funny. Um, so, yeah, we will... Um, be back on on Monday, I believe. Um, it, it all is according to um, Mark's work schedule. Um, yep, and Emmett, did you have anything that you wanted to say about the reading tonight? That is the most hilarious expression I've ever heard. I knew, and I knew you were going <laughs> to say that. <laughs> Um, this is a really long chapter. It's like 15 pages long, but in the book yes, itself, it goes from uh, page 1007 to 1023. Um, but it isn't as long as it looks like because there is about two pages, or like one back page, one forward page, of uh -huh. weird charts oh, and okay. pictures. Yes, and we won't be reading the pictures or charts. That's great. But also those subjects, the background of priesthood keys to plural marriage, um, the keys of 1886, uh, key to the manifesto from persecuted to persecutors, groups and splinter groups. Um, I can see where each of those could even be its chapter, its own chapter all on its own, um, because they're really such huge topics that um, yeah, I'm pretty don't always sure get that... covered. I'm yeah. pretty sure that we are going to be uh, spending all ever uh, all three programs next week just on this one chapter, if not even more than that. So, so yeah, sometimes really we get on tangents where we have a lot to say. 
it gets ridiculous. So, um, <laughs> one thing, I do got to comment on the language of the 1800s. So, there's a lot of times when I'm reading these quotes, and I'm like, that is the strangest way to say that. But that was like common talk, common speech back then. And a lot of people don't realize that the uh, every language changes in time. So, like, Old English, like... You know, you've got the King James English, but that's not Old English. Old English, you can't even understand what it is that they're saying because it's so completely foreign to our modern English. And over the last hundred years, uh, since the 1800s or whatever, you know, the, the language has changed to the point where it's like kind of a little bit strange to say when you're reading it. And I get hung up on things, too. But I don't give a fig is one of my favorite uh, things that they say. There's some other ones, too, that are uh, kind of hilarious. But I enjoy I enjoy reading them. But sometimes I'm like, oh, my gosh, why did they say it like that? So anyway, uh, thank you for the caller who called in. They were are just listening. And uh, there's nobody in the chat room, uh, I don't think. Emmett, do you see anybody? Uh, do you want to refresh your studio so you can see if there's anybody in the chat room tonight? I just did, and it sure. doesn't look like anyone said anything. Okay, well, that is good then. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, as always, we try to come on 8 p.m. Uh, Monday through Wednesday, and then sometimes we do bonus episodes. I will announce those episodes on TikTok on my uh, Fundamentally Mormon 1977 is my username there. And uh, I always post all of the text to what I read on facebook.com forward slash L-A-Z-U-R-U-S 1977, that's Lazarus 1977, or on Zion's Redemption Radio Network page on Facebook or Zion's Redemption Bookstore or LDS Gospel Mysteries. I know, there's a bunch of places I post. So, anyway, uh, Emma, you can go ahead and cue the music. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and thank you, Kim and Emma, for helping me out with the program tonight. Take care, everyone. God bless. And goodbye. Mm-hmm.